I'm Charlie Silvestri, and this is Up Close and Acoustic, featuring Performance Interview Radio. Glimdropper is a rock, pop, and funk power trio from the Delaware Valley. Dan Kaufman, Ben Geis, and Rob Schnell join me today for a chat about what it means to be a trio, how they came together, and how they put their music together. And yes, I asked them about the band's name. Glimdropper's latest release is Last Days of Analog, and although they can plug in and rock the house down, today we're up close and acoustic with Glimdropper. Right now, Hi. on the okay. Cheerios box, Rob Schnell. That's right. This is the title track uh, off of our release called The Last Days of Analog. Pray they are not.
hard to tell you even more to know I'm surprised you never saw it coming Pick it up on the throw You count to ten and you can start your running Person to person how it used to be But now it looks like a dying ember Such a diversion we refuse to see What it was I can't quite remember Tearing down all the power lines Putting up this invisible wall You and I will be swept aside You're listening to Up Close and Acoustic. I'm Charlie Silvestri, and today my guests are the band Glim Dropper, and that is Dan Kaufman, Ben Geis, and Rob Schnell. Welcome, guys. Hey, how are you? Thank you for having Hello. us. You're very welcome. I'm glad you're here. I've listened to a lot of your stuff online, and I've had the opportunity to review some of the songs. I want to I ask about one or two specifically that I heard from your, your CD, which is The Last Days of Analog. But first, I, I wanted to talk about what it's like being... A trio, is this your comfort zone? Is a trio a comfort zone for all of you? It is now. I mean, we, uh, we were a quartet when we first formed, and I was playing guitar as well, uh, but we lost so many bass players in a short amount of time that uh, I just decided it, we, would be, we would be better off just starting or, or you know, kind of redoing things as a trio than we wouldn't have to worry about regrouping every three months when a bass player disappeared. And, you know, there's always a great story that Paul McCartney had to play bass in the Beatles because, you know, they needed a bass player, even though he played guitar. So I didn't. So wait a minute, you're, are you saying that you're the cute one? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the one who shaped Bob's head <laughs> most of <laughs> There was very many groans. There was many, many groans in the room at that statement. Well, I have a friend who enjoys power trios, rock trios and power trios. And his statement to me is always, he enjoys the trio because you only get what you need, especially at a live performance. And he enjoys the space in between the instruments. Do you guys feel that at all? I, I very acutely feel the space between the instruments. <laughs> um, being the being the guitar player in a trio, uh, I think is you know I, I really love it, and I have tons and tons of freedom in one respect because I am the only guitar player. But it's also, you know, just sort of this relentless struggle for me to always try to fill space. I mean, going out and seeing big bands like, you know, Wilco and, you know, the Arcade Fire and all those bands that are really successful or, you know, there seems to be a legion of people on stage with the Flaming Lips and, you know, all those bands that people really love. And so to have a trio and to try to compete in the, you know, big, big sonic space, try and make big, exciting sounds, I, I find that it is time-consuming <laughs> to try and do it well. Well, it sort of goes back to my first question then, and, and that was Ben, the guitar player, talking. You feel as if you have to work harder, or, or at the end of the night, you would have put in the same amount, you're just cognizant of the work. How does, it, how does that work for you? Uh, boy, that's, I don't know, that's heavy, man. Like, um, <laughs> I always, I always just feel the immediate push of just being a performer and, uh, just wanting to hear something that I want to hear. And so, you know, the thing about that rock and roll sound is that, you know, it just has that quality. I mean, it's, it's not like, 
people haven't been doing this or something. I mean, you listen to lots of great recordings of The Who playing live, and you're like, yeah, you know, that's a, that's an enormous sound. That's a really mighty sound, or the Hendrix Trio, or or something like that. So yeah, for me, I don't know. My theory is it, it makes me better at playing, but I think I might get tennis elbow if I do it for too long. <laughs> <laughs> guitar players, rhythm guitar players, you've heard it first here. Dan, then, you've sort of switched off from, from guitar to bass, like you were saying. What's your thought on, on the sound of the band? Are, are you happy with a full-sounding trio? I mean, I know it's less complicated and less worries for you, but, but at the end of the day, is it a, a sense of satisfaction after a gig? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I think so. The the ability to to move, to travel light, to essentially have an easy pack in and pack out is always helpful. I mean, the sound we've developed into it. I mean, the first year was kind of odd. I mean, all of us were kind of reevaluating how we were doing things to try to make it work like that. But you know, we've all adopted various pedals and, and forms of uh, electronics that have helped in that. I picked up a five string bass. Finally, I was always a four-string only bass player when I was like, eh, you know, I'll give it a shot. Anything to add to the palette. And we do have, you know, Rob can talk about this song. We, we do use not samples that are uh, timed with the song, but we use them to sort of fill up the space in between songs. All right, this song is uh, called Happy Now. It's the last track on the CD, and the way that the CD kind of flows is it kind of goes from kind of old school analog to more modern digital and this was the song that we tried to make the most uh digital sounding but now we're going to do the the uh as in the early 90s we do it unplugged <laughs> that's right yes started i believe by bon jovi's performance in 1989 or the, 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 the queensrike yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> thank you queensrike sweet all right ready <laughs> happy now Sunrise, where 
and found Maybe you're lucky now Maybe you're lucky now Maybe you're lucky now Maybe I noticed on one of your songs on Last Days of Analog, I noticed it on a couple tracks, I think, but it, it really stands out in Blue Mass. Actually, you, you've taken sound clips and audio clips of, of just actual uh, vocal and spoken word from something that sounds like an instructional tape or video or something. What was your thought process on including something like that on that particular song? That was basically me sitting in my living room for hours at a time just trying to come up with something that... I mean, we all kind of agreed. I mean, it was, it was kind of, I, I kind of pushed for this idea, but I wanted to put together a, a vaguely thematic record. I mean, the whole Last Days of Analog being exactly what it sounds like. I wanted to start off with a sound collage, you know, like in college we had to do that as a project. And, and you know, you hear a lot of the early electronic music people, you know, or even like Number 9, Revolution Number 9, as being this sort of, it's just a collage of sounds. And we went a little bit further with putting some instruments in it, but I just tried to find old, hopefully uh, non-copyrighted words that we're, we're talking about. It, it was a cross between, there's words in there about, you know, you know this is, this is uh, the pitch of music, and you can tell this, and here's the beat. And then the other side is, it's actually Aldous Huxley. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll spill the beans. It, it's him talking in like the early 60s, at a college, and he's essentially talking about the way that people are manipulated. And even back in the 60s, they're already worried about the 1984 syndrome. And now we're 20 years past 1984, and we're still kind of on that path. But that's where that came from. It was just kind of an idea. And, and also, it has uh, 
sounds from Sputnik and the first communication satellite launch. Like I tried to find everything that was early enough technology that it was still analog. Like they still use those big satellites. You had tubes in them and your stuff. They didn't have all the processors and stuff that we take for granted. So, all you intellectuals in this band. <laughs> so, all right. Well, when when Rob when Rob when you set up for a gig, you uh, you set your drums up. How is it set? Is it according to the room? Is it according to the the type of gig that you're playing? Because today Rob is going to be playing on a Cheerios box. But I mean, when you have your drum set up, what's your setup like in a say in a theater? It changes at every venue. If I'm in a larger theater, it's a, I try to use bigger equipment. And uh, this, the amount of drums never changes. It's just the volume or output of the drums that change. And then as Dan said, I've augmented. I bring a, um, a sampler with me. But it, as he said, it's more for uh, sort of the in-between songs, like a song will end and then a sample will trigger. Well, actually... For example, Blue Mass, we don't play live. Like, we don't play that as a trio. Mm -hmm. However, Blue Mass is played at most of our shows because I have it on the sampler. So, as we'll like, we'll walk out on stage to Blue Mass. So, yeah, so I just sort of uh, supplement the acoustic drums with that. When I was watching a movie recently, wow, I'm, I'm a. I'm obsessed with zombies and the living dead and what have you. And I was watching Zombieland and I didn't realize. That are you guys familiar with Zombieland? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, then I, I didn't realize I was actually seeing in that movie sort of the basis of the band name Glimdropper in, in one of the scenes, in a flashback scene. I'm afraid that I'm going to ask the question I'm sure that everybody asks, but <laughs> do you want to go? Do you want to go and explain what the Glimdropper grift is? Well, I'll, I'll give you the, the original synopsis of a Glimdropper it's a, it's a scam, and it involves, well, here, here's the scenario uh, you're a bartender. And a man walks into your bar one day wearing an eye patch and says, I lost my glass eye here last night, and I'm willing to pay you a sizable uh, reward for its return. I'll give you uh, $500. And I leave after I tell you this. And then Dan, who's my cohort, comes in and he says, I found this glass eye, and I'd like to return it to its owner. And you know that there's a reward involved. So you offer him a low low ball reward, like you'll give him a hundred dollars because you know that you're going to get the other the five hundred dollar reward. But at the end of the day, Dan and I just took a hundred bucks out of your pocket and gave you a glass eye. Like that's the original synopsis of the scam. The scam has actually been utilized now in um, on eBay. There's been a few gloom dropper scams, mostly for good. But Dan will tell you the other impetus for the gloom dropper. Well. We uh when we when we heard this phrase when we all read about it it was the first thing on Google was the Wikipedia explanation of that and we're like well we don't really want to be a scam you know it's but it sounds great you know it, it rolls off the tongue and then my mom has this dictionary from like 1902 and I looked up glim in that and it said yep it's a glass eye but it also says it was the origination of glimmer like the source of light so the glim of a candle. I guess it's an older way of putting it. We never really use that phrase anymore, but you know, it, it, it works the same way. We we hope to bring some light to the situation or drop some glim, as it were. Uh, this is a song called "Savior to Myself." Actually, um, this was off of our first CD or first record, if you will. It was right before Ben joined the band, and uh, the only real trivial tidbit is that I wrote this in 1996. It's the oldest song that I still currently perform that that is worth performing, I guess. <laughs> it's also one of the sadder songs that we do. 
Leaving the room inside me And I have no reasons why I took a look inside myself I think I'm starting to try Living life in solitary shadow With one light dim to my eyes I stop my mind from wandering I shut myself off inside But now I know I can't put it off Put it off without you And I will wonder, wonder What I'm missing But I know That you are there So I can be a savior to myself Quiet now till nine Signed until morning Running from the light My endless night is dawning Yeah, I've been trying To write my future In empty grains of sand Empty grains of sand Running from my nightmares I have a release the last days of analog are you working on something next is there a is there a next release in the offing from you guys we got stuff cooking yeah yeah we already perform like three or four songs that we've been working on and we're already now just trying to figure out in the fall you know between october and the holidays how to go back in and start recording it and dan and i have been doing quite a bit of session work for other musicians mm-hmm. and we've been hitting a lot of other studios in the Philadelphia area so we've been kind of shopping rooms and getting a feel for you know who's kind of churning out 
because we have our own studio that we can mix in, but to have a larger room to do things like the original raw tracks, uh, and then take them back to our studio and mix them. We're trying to, we've, we've been in a bunch of studios lately and just trying to get a feel for the different rooms because we might just, you know, go in for a day or two and just track, no mixing, no final production, just pre-production stuff. Uh, so yeah, but we're hoping to get that rolling soon. What are your musical backgrounds? Uh, self-taught, lessons, uh, a lifetime of study? What, what is it with you, Dan? Uh, well, I, I, you know, as really young, I my parents all played piano, so I started out as a piano player as a kid. Uh, when I got right before high school, I decided I wanted to play the guitar and the drums. And I've been pretty much self-taught on guitar. I mean, I can't say I'm self-taught. I've learned something from every other guitar player I've ever met. But I've never really studied it the way that I studied actually percussion, which is what I majored in college. So I'm kind of a, of a, a percussionist that plays guitar. That's how I, I like to put it. And I've sung in various forms since high school. And I've been playing bass almost as long, but singing and playing bass is, is a relatively new uh, thing for me in the past few years. But I teach a lot. I mean, I teach music to kids, and I think that that helps me keep, keeps me learning, too, the, the, that I never, I never feel like I'm done. So it's a, it's a continuing project. That's a good way to be. How about you, Ben? Yeah. I, I studied, well, I, I didn't study. I, I got a bass when I was 13 or 14, and I just hung around and transcribed punk rock records because you know, I'm, I'm from South Williamsport, Pennsylvania, which is not a place with lots of culture. So either you get into classic rock or country music or, you know, you, you go underground and that's the people who were making bands in that town was for teenagers and young 20-somethings. It was, you know, like, it was like 90s. And so I was played bass in a punk rock band when I started. But then I started to realize that I was the only one that really like practice my instrument by myself and then I started to think that I could probably do the guitar players gig better than them and then my mom got me a Stratocaster for I think my 14th birthday and then uh, I started studying seriously then I started to I don't know I, I guess I just figured out that I didn't really like anything else that much and then I went to the university and, and studied jazz guitar there with Joe Negri handyman Negri from the Mr. Rogers show he was a saint. He still plays. He's still wonderful. Check him out. And yeah, I mean, then I, I started teaching at the school. And I guess so that means I, I, I end up learning something new constantly. And then I drew, drew Ben away from the jazz into the dark side of rock and roll. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. Man. It made him get a pedal. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's true. Now I, I have all these pedals now, but when I met them, I think I had one yeah, or you two. You had a wah pedal and an amp yeah. when I first met you. That's, That's what right. we were playing and. So. Yeah, and so anyway, I dork it out. I study constantly these days. I, I study more than I ever did before. I really like studying now. That's great. Yeah. Good for you, man. <laughs> yeah, and also I just add in that Ben is also a great classical guitar player as well. So I've been actually trying to, to convince him to like add some of that into our, our live repertoire because we're so electric all the time. I'm like, you should just bust out the acoustic like classical guitar a couple times. <laughs> you know, no, no, not not too Steve Howe, but you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> Well, hey, look, you know, I've listened to, uh, you know, whatever you have posted online, and, and there are times when, in my humble opinion, that you, you could almost be leaning towards a progressive sound anyway, uh, you know, like a classic progressive rock band sound already. You know, there's lots of room for a classical guitar in that kind of sound anyhow, so, yeah, I, maybe you should pursue that. <laughs> yeah, well... 
One one tune at a time. <laughs> yeah, we're working on our Zeppelin three acoustic number. Rob, how about you? Um, you know, grew up in a house. My family was all into music. My dad played accordion now for man over over sixty years. Uh, I started playing pretty young. Just played with whoever would have me, and did the wedding band gigs and did the jazz band in high school and and I sang in choir and. Then I, right after high school, I actually got in a band that had a minor label deal, and I toured, and I went to the school hard knocks. Like, I just went through the, the ringer. It's, it's been fun. <laughs> That's great. That's Dan, Ben, and Rob from Glim Dropper. Where can people find you on the internet? Glimdropper.com. Convenient. Yeah, it wasn't taken, luckily. <laughs> yeah, another impetus for the name. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thanks for doing Up Close and Acoustic today. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. My thanks again to Dan Kaufman. Ben Geis and Rob Schnell from Glim Dropper. For more information about the band, where to buy their music, and where to see them in concert, please go to glimdropper.com, G-L-I-M-D-R-O-P-P-E-R.com. I've never known why I called this March, because it doesn't say March anywhere in the song, but when I first wrote it, it reminded me of a song that you could literally march to. I believe we called it March to the End at first. It was. But uh, we try not to be. That, uh, that defeatist about it. Yeah, well, it was March the end next to Last Days of Analog. Yeah. <laughs> like, everything's about to be over. Yeah, this was a very uh, Y2K type of record. Bummer, man. For those of you who can remember that. Anyway, <laughs> here we go with a little bit of March. One, two. We like to stay out late, dip all the food on my plate, consumption. Instead of turning up dead, you go to Vegas instead. Medication. We're taking it to the hall. Now that we're on a roll. Inflation. But just in case, when we run out of space. Now that I'm not surprised. The look on your face. Some of us don't survive Look out into space There goes another satellite We're losing the race Cause nobody will decide Will they come and they go But you'll never know Who has it We're making love our prime, but you can't stop on a dime. Forget it. You driving into the bay, you got your head jamming. Don't sweat it. Don't sweat it. We're taking off on a whim, but you're enjoying a spin. Hypnotic. But just in case, when we run out of space. Now that I'm not surprised The look on your face Some of us don't survive Look out into space There goes another satellite We're losing the race Cause nobody will decide, will decide
You've been listening to Up Close and Acoustic. For more information about the show, please go to upcloseandacoustic.com. And please consider liking the Up Close and Acoustic page on Facebook. Send questions and comments to upcloseandacoustic at gmail.com. Up Close and Acoustic is hosted and produced by Charlie Silvestri. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next time. Then we run out of space Now that I'm not surprised The look on your face Some of us don't survive Look out in the space There goes another satellite We're losing the race Cause nobody will just had to waste Something we can't provide We're giving a pace We're told we can't live our lives With blood on our face And never again will inside Come on, take your place over your will to pride, we communicate.